Support for Tantrum comes from MailChimp, celebrating creativity, chaos, and teamwork since 2001. MailChimp, send better email. The podcast you are about to hear is about raising kids, but it's for adults. There are curse words and talk of grown-up things, so make with the headphones. Welcome to Tantrum. Tantrum is a podcast for grown-ups about raising kids. I'm Kate. And I'm Allison. Today we'll hear from Megan Sexton. When we showed up and the concierge handed us a padlock for our door, we were a little concerned. When Nora cooed over the cats in the lobby and the concierge said that they were really good at catching mice, we asked for our money back. Megan shares a story about family road trips and hotels from hell. That's coming up in just a bit. But first, welcome back to the Tantrum Party Zone. Yeah, we still have um, some good background music going on. We've got a party next door that we're hoping to be invited to. Yeah, they've seriously got some (laughs) great tunes happening. It's like old school soul over there. Yeah, it is. And uh, good smells coming over from the grill. We're not going to be invited. Yeah, we're not. But that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, we we have our LaCroix. We're going to be really tired in like an hour anyway. (laughs) Um, So when I was coming to meet you tonight, Mm -hmm. I had this little realization about time and how, you know, the calendar is before Christ and after Christ is how we have this, our whole system. And as a mother, you get it. Like it was probably Mary who came up with that because that's how you sort of tell time now is like before merit and after merit. <laughs> yeah. tell a story. It'll be like, oh, yes, it was T minus 16 months before <laughs> Merit, it feels like everything is before and after bird every it single is. thing because your life changed so dramatically even if you've come to like recognize yourself again you're st- it's just it's a whole different life yes you know what i earlier today I, I opened my gmail and i realized that it was driving me batty that i had so many unread messages they were in the thousands oh yes and i took on the crazy person task of going through and deleting every single unread message from oh my, my gmail that's noble and it was just kind of this like mindless thing i was listening to a podcast while i was doing it and it was so weird looking at just even the months before bird was born and i wasn't like looking at the emails but kind of glimpsing some subject lines and being like oh yeah that was happening and that was and that seemed important at the time mm-hmm. wow and like how i was buying all this stuff on like on amazon and on etsy that i thought that i really needed in mm-hmm. order to have a baby and your book had come out kind of Weren't you, like, still doing a lot of book tour things when you were pregnant? I was. I was. And we kind of planned it because I'm somebody who likes to plan everything and have everything work out perfectly. My book came out, and then I got pregnant. No, it was the next year. (laughs) I don't even know. I don't even know. My book came out in March. March 2014. No, March 20. Wait a minute. You're right. See, I don't even know years anymore. Yeah, this is wild because like you end up thinking about how much time becomes devoted to this whole process and thinking about it because I had bird in March of 2015. But Mar- but in 2014 I was pregnant the whole year and I was like I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, but that was also the year my book came out. But we started trying to get me pregnant in 2013. 
And so like the end of 2013. So I was like, oh, my God, there was a lot of time devoted to like thinking about this before anything even happened. Yeah. If only I could go back and tell myself to like chill out. Yeah, a little right. Bit, you know? I got a plan. It's good. It's going to be Trust okay. me here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I remember like one of the worst things I did, and this is one thing I found in my Gmail is they have those monitors you can put on your own pregnant belly to hear the baby's heartbeat, mm-hmm. and I got that like in the first trimester, which is, and they haven't marketed to you for your first trimester because you're so worried that something's going to oh, go God. wrong. And I remember half the time I like I couldn't I'd like get home and I'd just be like I'm just gonna check I'm just gonna check and then I'd be p- positioning these little monitors and it would take a long time to hear it and I'd get so worried and so worked up. Oh my god, yeah, that does not sound healthy for me. It was awful. And then like one night when I that was especially bad, John came in and he looked at me and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm returning this tomorrow. It's, <laughs> I know this is not good. Well, for good. Me. That was so that's good. Did. Yeah. But I didn't mean to steal your thunder about thinking about everything being before Merritt was born and after. Like, how has that? You didn't steal any thunder. That was just my my wake-up call of understanding any mother can relate to their child being both a miracle and the beginning of time. A new era. A new era. For your personal civilization. It's totally true. Um, so... We are taking a break from live shows this summer, but you can hear an entire backlog of podcast episodes. Like Matt Hutchinson, who tells the story of teaching his six-year-old to ride a bicycle. And he employs actual audio from the experience, which is very fun. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was hysterical. Or Laurel Snyder, who tells the story of how a toddler, a newborn, and the filthiest bathroom on the East Coast changed her mindset forever about parenting. We will also have a few bonus episodes over the summer to tide you over, so do stay tuned. But for now, let's move on to our featured reader from one of our recent shows, Megan Sexton. Megan is a poet. She's also a drummer with one of our favorite ATL rock bands, the Skylarks. And she is a mom living with her husband and daughter in Decatur. Megan teaches at the Department of English at Georgia State University, and she co-edits Five Points. At heart, she says, much to her family's dismay, she is a frustrated travel agent, which I'm wondering if we'll hear more about when she comes up here tonight. At any rate, please welcome Megan Sexton. Hello. Thank you so much, Kate, for having me. I'm so excited to be reading with Kate and Susan. I think the world of both you ladies, so thanks. That picture behind me uh, was taken the day after this happened. Tonight I want to share with you my tale of Brooking the Parental Rubicon, which also contains a few travel booking tips to boot. My husband and I have traveled with our daughter, Nora, since she was an infant in arms. Wherever we went, she went, and that pretty much still holds true today, even though she's 15 and a half. In the annals of family travel, the journey to a family wedding ranks high. In fact, we'd already traveled to one family wedding with our daughter, and she'd been featured as a flower girl. So this particular one was a bit of a sore spot. Now at 13, she'd apparently aged out of flower girl status, 
and would have to attend this one as a mere civilian. This was one of those trips you look back on with great fondness, but at the time, you feel like you were trapped in a John Paul Sartre novel, especially since we were traveling to a place we'd been to many times to see family, but this time, everything familiar seemed a little bizarre. A few weeks before we set out on our trip, my brother called to say that we couldn't stay at his house since they were hosting visitors from out of the country. We would have to stay at the official wedding hotel or make our own arrangements. I remember the last thing he said was, remember this is a tourist destination and it is summertime. That turned out to be a real MacGuffin. That I fancy myself a recreational travel agent amuses my family. I am a sucker for discount travel apps and addicted to Travel Advisor, Orbitz. I love Trivago, especially their darling spokesman. At that time, we were still reeling from a recent trip to New York City, where I'd booked us at a place called the Ye Old Carlton Arms <laughs> for an, an amazing $105 a night. I realize now that the Ye really should have tipped me off. <clears throat> When we showed up and the concierge handed us a padlock for our door. <laughs> yes, yes, a big one. We were a little concerned. When Nora cooed over the cats in the lobby and the concierge said that they were really good at catching mice, <laughs> we asked for our money back. But TripAdvisor had called it Euro chic and artsy a la Banksy. <laughs> Fuck TripAdvisor. It was all okay, though, since I discovered another handy app, one that would give us fabulous rates at hotels as long as we book the day of. We then embarked on a nice little tour of New York City hotels, all without archaic brand names. We are usually more of a fly-the-friendly-skies kind of family, but we decided we'd drive to the wedding 10 hours away. Now for my teen, driving to Buckhead from Decatur is a slog, fraught with groaning and gasping. Are we almost there yet is her constant battle cry. So there is much trepidation upon setting out for any kind of lengthy car trip. But that early Friday morning at the crack of dawn, we rallied. Amazingly, we made good time and arrived to our seaside destination ready to check in and hit the boardwalk. We'd have plenty of time to rest up before the wedding festivities began early the next afternoon. Having not learned my lesson yet, I'd booked the hotel on yet another app. My brother's warning came true, and I heard his voice echoing like Obi-Wan. <laughs> Remember, it's a resort town in summertime. It turned out that they double-booked our room, and someone had beaten us to the check-in. There was nothing they could do for us. My love affair with hotel apps was officially over. As I walked out into the parking lot to deliver the bad news, the sun was setting over the ocean. Families were dragging their beach gear back to their hotel rooms. Alas, not for us. I sensed my family was not going to take it too well. Nora gave me a look that heretofore I'd not seen on her face. Clearly, I'd let her down, 
I mean, I'd made it 13 years making sure each night she'd had a bed to sleep in. (laughs) So how had I let this happen? At that very moment, the literal and figurative tides were changing. She was on the cusp of childhood and adulthood. I'd messed up, and she knew it. But would this scar her for life? Thus began our mad rush to try to find a room before it got dark. We decided we wouldn't stop to eat until we had found a place. Very bad decision. An hour passed, and we were still driving up and down the hotel line streets, combing for a vacancy. Wary of my app addiction, my husband would pull up to the front desk, and I'd run in and I'd run back. Meanwhile, the teen moped, still with the face. It was truly Christmas in July because there definitely wasn't any freaking room in the inn. (laughs) Just like a junkie, I relapsed and I tried just one more app. This one said to call and make a reservation. By that time, it was almost pitch dark and all the road snacks were gone. As I fumbled for my phone, I had a vision of being in the back seat on a road trip with my parents in the front seat arguing over some some turn my father had missed. I remember watching the two of them as if they were on a movie screen. Now I sensed Nora was watching us. I imagined her thinking what an idiot I was. But, But then I was propelled into the present moment when a voice came over the line, I have a room for you. Yes, I blurted out too soon, and before I knew it, I was giving him my credit card number. We drove out away from the coast to, let's just say, a less resort-like area of the town. Luckily, Nora was falling asleep at this point, still unfed, her mother on a wild mission to find shelter for the night. Why, when it's even nearly midnight and every bed in town is booked, do I still hold out hope that I've booked at least a three-star hotel? As we drove into the parking lot, we saw people outside everywhere. They were sitting on lawn chairs on the balcony, sitting on the hoods of cars, hanging out by the tiny pool. There was evidence of families tucked inside the rooms, though, because I saw kids' bikes and boogie boards stacked outside. It was definitely sketch, though, a word I'd recently come to know from Nora. I walked through the crowd to get to the reception desk. From behind a wall, a man emerged who was completely devoid of emotion. Meanwhile, I was a raw nerve, so it had a kind of calming effect. He handed me a key, a key, not a plastic card, so that gave me pause. We drove around to our room. The crowd was still going strong, but at a polite volume. As we carried our bags into the room, my anxiety surged. Somehow, I'd been off my bedbug radar game. Under normal circumstances, I'd never go for this. But here, we were a dad, exhausted from driving nonstop for hours, a comatose, starving teen, and a lit mom. We hit the light switch, and the room looked queasy. Pure instinct told me to put the luggage on top of the ancient dresser. Then I pulled off the bedspread, circa 1962, took a quick glance at the sheets, and it looked like the coast was clear. Sleepy teen dropped down in the middle of the mattress, hardly opening an eye, and she was out. Something told me not to pull the covers up over her. My husband went to the bathroom while I stood there, completely fried but vigilant. Then, 
Tiny dots began to scurry from all edges of the bed, the scent of my golden child beckoning them to feast. I felt vomit rising into my throat. She was still sleeping sound as a rock. My husband emerged from the bathroom and realized what I was looking at. Without a word, we both grabbed the girl and lifted her like a log out of a river. (laughs) Not one bug had touched her. And then she was up. She was staring at the bugs, swarming over the sheets where she just lain. We were all too tired to speak, let alone scream. We were in a silent movie directed by David Lynch. We had to get out of there. Postscript. Fast forward two years, and we are making the same trip. This time, we are going to stay at my brother's house. We are returning to the scene of the crime. We hadn't mentioned our bed bug incident for a long time. But as we were pulling into that seaside town, Nora shouted out from the back seat, Hey, Mom, let's go egg the ambassador in. (laughs) I pulled down the visor mirror and caught her laughing like there was no tomorrow. That's it for Tantrum. We'll see you all next fall. (laughs) That's good. I like that. And we'll see you in about two weeks with another episode. Do share this podcast with all your friends. And thanks for listening. Because you know as well as I do that raising kids is fun yet hard. Raising kids is life-changing and yet brain-rotting. This isn't easy. And despite it all, you are kicking ass. Until next time, I'm Allison Harney. And I'm Kate Sweeney. Thanks to Jeffrey Butzer for letting us use his song, Catherine, for our music. And thanks to Mike Johns for recording the live show at Kavarna. See ya. Because? Because raising kids is fun, but hard. Let me do that again. Or do you want to say that? (laughs) I think it's supposed to be me. If we end on me, y'all, this is just totally off the cuff. You know, we're you know this the great thing about recording this podcast. It's just Allison and me talking. These are naturally the things that come out of our mouths. Um, (laughs) Can you scooch any further in? (laughs) That good? Say something like normal. Um, Yes. So. Let's see. We went to the playground today, and we got in the kiddie pool, and we got lots and lots of bug bites.